Welcome to Dinosaur George Kids. A show for anyone who loves dinosaurs. Dinosaur George has studied paleontology for over 50 years and has performed live to over 4 million students across the world. So sit back and enjoy today's show. Now, here's Dinosaur George. Hey, future paleontologists! I'm Dinosaur George, and this is the Dinosaur George Kids Podcast. I hope you're having a great summer. Unless it's winter where you live. Then I hope you're having a great winter. Everybody, it's so great to spend my time with you, and I'm glad that you are listening to today's podcast. Just to let you know, all T-Rex Patreon club members are watching this podcast. Uh, We're filming me doing the podcast, so they get to see a kind of behind the scenes of what goes on. So I want to welcome everybody. I've got a couple of really exciting things to talk about. One of the big ones, one of the big ones, we are now have almost 88 thousand downloads of my podcast 88,000 people have listened to my podcast that's really exciting and I'm very very appreciative and I certainly thank all of you all over the world who listen and now here's the super exciting news we are now listened to in 101 countries throughout the world we finally broke a hundred countries When I first started this podcast, I was excited when there was 15 countries. Now we're at 101 countries who have listeners living in those countries who listen to my podcast. So welcome all of you from all around the world. I am very, very excited about that number. And you know, what really helps is when you tell your friends or you go on social media and tell people, and when your parents especially, your parents help my show a tremendous amount. Because when your parents go and they post comments in social media, they're letting other people know all over the world. So thank you so much to the parents who are sharing it on social media and to you, the young people who are doing it, and anyone. If you share uh, my podcast with other people, it helps a bunch. It gets us so many new listeners, and it is so exciting to think that 101 countries, there are people listening to it. A couple of things to update you on, some pretty exciting stuff. First of all, if you are ever coming to the San Antonio, Texas area, like during summer vacation or whatever, if you will contact us. Now, the best way to do that is through the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook group page. That's the best way. If you will contact us and let us know, I will let you know if I'm going to be at my little museum at a place called Trader's Village here in San Antonio, Texas. It's a small museum that I set up. It's got some really cool stuff in it. Spinosaurus skull, T-Rex skull, which are two of the coolest pieces in there. But anyway, if you are ever coming, I hope you will let me know because I can't be there every single weekend because I speak all over the place as well. But I would love to meet you in person. I'd love to say hello if you ever come out there. Also, if you are in or around San Antonio, I speak at the San Antonio Zoo. Now, they've hired me 
to speak all the way, I think, into August and maybe even September. I think I go all the way, and that's on the weekend, Saturdays and Sundays. Not everyone, but again, if you will contact us and let me know, we can let you know when I'm going to be there, and maybe you can come out and hear me speak live. You can sit down right in front of me, and I'll show you some really cool fossils, and I'll teach you about dinosaurs. This next one is really cool. Now, I have a traveling dinosaur museum, and it mostly goes to elementary schools throughout Texas. But on July 14th, 2021, the year we're in, I am going to be at the Port Allen Community Center, which is in Port Allen, Louisiana. Now, that's near Baton Rouge. So for any listeners who are in or around the Baton Rouge, Louisiana area, on July 14th at the Port Allen Community Center, the exhibit is open from 10 to 7, and it's completely free. And you'll get a chance to come up and say hi to me. I get to meet you in person. And you can see some of my other traveling exhibit pieces. So again, if you live in or around Louisiana, or if you know people that live in or around uh, the Port Allen or Baton Rouge area, please let them know to come in and say hello and tell me that you listen on my podcast and I will write down your name and I will give you a shout out after we come back. So again, that is on July 14th, 2021 this year from 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. So I hope that you can make it out there. I hope you can make it to San Antonio and see me at Trader's Village at my mini museum or that you come out to the San Antonio Zoo. Lastly, I just saw in my schedule, I don't have, I don't remember the date, but I think it's September. I am going to be going to speak in a place in New Jersey. So for any of you that live in New Jersey, stay tuned. I will give you complete details and I would love to meet you there as well. Now let's do a couple of little shout outs. This first one, this is from my buddy, William, who just turned three. Uh, he loves my podcast and uh, he just want, and by the way, uh, William became a Patreon member. So William is one of our members who just turned three. Well, William, here is your shout out. Happy birthday to you for turning three. And thank you very much. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast and becoming a Patreon member. That's so cool. And then happy birthday to Dev, who is now five years old and is a new T-Rex member of the Patreon club. Happy birthday to you, Dev, who you are now five years old. Excellent. Here is your shout out, my little friend. Happy birthday to you. Then another Patreon club member. This one is Hunter, who just turned five last month. Hunter, happy birthday to you as well. And then my little friend, Oliver, who lives in Sydney, Australia, just turned seven. So happy birthday shout outs to all of you. Thank those of you that have joined the Dinosaur George Patreon Club, and uh, I hope you all enjoy it. And so now I will sing happy birthday to all of you. Are you ready? <clears throat> Let me get ready. I don't know the words. How does it go? Oh, okay. Here we go. Ready? Wait, how does it go? Okay. Let's try it again. Ready? Here we go. Happy birthday to you. Cha-cha-cha. Happy birthday to you. Cha-cha-cha. I hope you get eaten by a dinosaur. Happy. Wait, what? 
What are you yelling at? I, I'm just singing happy birthday. What, what is everybody laughing about? Isn't that how it goes? Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. I hope you get eaten by a dinosaur. Yeah, that's how it goes. Happy birthday to you. Well, I think that's the way the happy birthday song goes. Shout out to all of you, my little friends. Shout out to all of you. All right. Today's feature creature is crazy super cool. It's time for our feature creature segment. If you would like to suggest a creature, go to the Dinosaur George Kids podcast page at dinosaurgeorge.com or post your suggestion on the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook group page. Now, here is your feature creature. Our feature creature for this episode is one that a lot of you know and a lot of people are recommended. As a matter of fact, one of my my Patreon club members suggested suggested we do Smilodon. Smilodon, the world famous saber-toothed cat. What an amazing animal. So, what does saber-tooth mean? And is it really one word or two words? Well, it's two words. Saber-tooth but there's usually a little line between it called a hyphen, saber tooth. Well, the name Smilodon, those are Latin words. Those are not English words. Smilo means scalpel, or it can be translated into two-edged knife. Now, what that means is its teeth are shaped like a knife. You can call it a knife-toothed cat or a sword-toothed cat. A scalpel, by the way, is a very sharp blade like uh, doctors that operate on people use scalpels. So that's what the word scalpel means. So saber tooth, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, smilodon. Smilo is the Latin word for knife or two-sided knife or scalpel. The word don is Latin for tooth, knife tooth. That's the best way to put it. Now, two-edged knife tooth is actually the more appropriate description of the name, but that's kind of hard to say. And what does two-edged knife means? Well, a knife you use to cut your food only has one edge. The edge is the sharp part. There's the backside of the knife and the sharp part of the knife. But a smilo is a knife that has two sharp sides. That's how the animal got its name, smilodon. The teeth have two edges, not just one. They have, they're sharp on both edges. So smilodon is amazing. Now, this is a cat. That was about 100 centimeters tall. That's about four feet tall. And it was about 175 centimeters long. That's like about six feet long. This is a big animal, about the size of, a, of an African lion. It weighed between 160 and 280 kilograms uh, for pounds. That means 350 to 620 pounds. That is a big, big animal. This is a heavy duty animal. They're found in both North and South America, and they live during the Pleistocene. Now, the name Pleistocene is more commonly known as the Ice Age. The Pleistocene is the Ice Age. So it lived anywhere from two and a half million years ago to about 10,000 years ago. Listen, 10,000 years ago was not that long in Earth's history. So Smilodons are relatively a recent animals. It was a quadruped, which means it walks on all fours, and it was a carnivore. Now, 
most people call it the saber-toothed tiger. But Smilodon is not really a tiger. Smilodon is not really very closely related to any of the living cats. Cats were broken up into two main groups. One group became the uh, African lion, the North American lion, the tiger, the cheetah, the jaguar. Um, cheetah is not a good example, but the jaguar, the pumas, uh, the leopards, that made up one group. The other group are all ex- extinct. They've all died. And Smilodon fits in the other group. It is perfectly okay to call it a saber-toothed tiger. That's a cool-sounding name, right? The saber-toothed tiger is like a cool-sounding name. But I want you to remember that the saber-toothed cat is a better way to describe it. Not saber-toothed tiger. You can say saber-toothed lion because it's a little more like a lion than a tiger. But the right way to call it is a saber-toothed cat. But one more time for all of you. It is okay to call it the saber-toothed tiger. That's a perfectly good nickname. Now, there's actually three kinds of saber-toothed cats. Big saber. Well, there's three kinds of smilodons. Let me say that. You see, every animal in the world, whether they lived during the ancient times or today, always has a first and last name. They always have a first and last name. It's just like you and I. My name is George, but my last name is different from other people named George. So that's what makes me different from them. We can have the same first name. There's actually three Smilodon species, each having a first name that's Smilodon, but their last names are different. One of them is called Gracilis, Smilodon Gracilis, then Smilodon Fatalis, and Smilodon Populator. Yes, those are their first and last names. So there's three species of Smilodon. The one that you probably see in every book is Fatalis. That's the biggest of the three. Smilodon Fatalis is the one that most people see. Even though they don't tell you it's first and last name, I'm telling you, when you read a book or you see a movie, you're usually looking at Smilodon Fatalis. Now, how can there be three different Smilodons? Because each one is a little bit different from the other. If they're different enough to make them into their own species. There's something called the genus name and the species name. The genus name is like their first name. Tyrannosaurus is the genus name. Rex is the species name. Stegosaurus is the genus name. Ungulatus is the uh, species name. Um, a Smilodon is the genus name. Fatalis is the species name. So I know that's a little confusing, but it basically means there are three animals named Smilodon. Each one has a different last name. And Smilodon Fatalis is the one that you're most familiar with. I think it was the most common. I know it was the biggest of the bunch. So. Again, Smilodons are not really closely related to modern cats. Not really related to the modern cats. Not that closely related. They are from a different family group. They're still cats. It's okay to call it a cat because it's a cat. But it's from a little bit different family than the cats alive today. 
And while Smilodon, Fatilis, was living in North America, there was an animal called Pantheo Leo Atrox, which is the uh, North American lion. It was living with Smilodon. Now, the North American lion is definitely from the cat family that we are aware of. So there were two giant cats living in North America during the Pleistocene. One of them was the lion. The other was the saber-toothed cat. A couple of things about the saber-toothed, and obviously the first one that everybody knows is those gigantic teeth, those great big saber teeth, those double-sided knife teeth. Smilodon, I happen to have a Smilodon fatalis uh, skull right here in my studio. I'm holding it up right now. It's got these big, great, big, gigantically long teeth that were so big, they hung out of its mouth. These teeth are incredible. They were up to 11 inches long. That means 28 centimeters. That's big. Some of the biggest teeth compared to body size of any animal. Well, not any animal, any cat. Those teeth are big, but those teeth could be the thing that meant Smilodons didn't survive when other cats did. I'll talk about that in a minute. First, I want to talk about how it hunted, because obviously it's a carnivore. Now, it has those great big long teeth right in the front, but it also has meat slicing teeth in the back of its jaws. And in the very front of its jaws, its front teeth are little tiny meat rippers. So it's got the big killing teeth, the meat rippers in the front, and the meat slicers in the back. It would open that giant mouth, use those big teeth to bite into the prey, After it killed the prey, it used the little teeth in the front of its mouth because they kind of stuck out a little bit. It would use the little teeth in the front of its mouth that stuck out to rip off pieces of meat. And then it would use the meat slicing teeth in the back of the jaw to cut the meat into smaller pieces so that it could swallow it without choking. So those teeth are remarkable, but it makes us wonder, well, how did these animals hunt? First, let me say this. Smilodon does not have eyes that look straight ahead like other cats. Smilodon does not have the 100% binocular forward-facing vision that we see with animals like lions today, or jaguars, or cheetahs for that matter. Their eyes look straight ahead. Smilodons were a little tiny off to the side, not completely on the side. So that means that this cat probably did not crawl up into trees and jump down on their prey. And I say that because if their eyes are not facing completely forward, you have a hard time jumping from limb to limb or jumping down on prey if your eyes aren't looking right at it. So that then suggests that Smilodon is hunting its prey on the ground, probably like lions in Africa do today. It probably was an ambush hunter because of its weight, because it was heavily built. It's not made for speed. This is a brute. This is a brute. This is a cat whose sole thing is to leap on top of you and with its own crushing weight. Remember, this thing weighed anywhere from 200, I mean, up to 280 kilograms, 620 pounds. You have a giant like that land on your back. The idea is to make you fall to the ground. 
so that it could attack you. You have to be super big not to be knocked over by 600 pounds or 280 kilograms landing on top of you. So this suggests that Smilodon probably laid low in the taller grasses. We know it lived in the open plains, kind of out in the open. So it's probably laying down among the grass and waiting for something to come up close. It probably spent a lot of its time near water because water attracts herbivores. They've got to come get a drink. And if you are a big predator and you need to ambush somebody, you definitely want to be in a spot where somebody's going to walk by. You're not going to sit out in the middle of the prairie. You could be out there for a month and nobody walks close enough for you to attack. But you learn to focus on where the plant eaters are walking as they walk down a trail and you sit next to that trail and you know they're either going to come here to get water or they're going to leave here when they finish getting water. I'm going to be waiting for them. And that's what they probably did. They ate things like prehistoric bison, camels, horses, sloths, probably even juvenile elephants like mammoths and mastodons. They probably preyed on any of those things. There's no evidence that says they hunted in a pride like lions. They might have. They might have been cooperative. They may have set up ambushes the way lions do today. Um, They certainly may have behaved that way, but behavior doesn't always fossilize. We can't always tell how an animal acted. We can see how big they are. We can see if they eat meat, if they eat plants, but we can't always know how they acted, how they behaved. Could it roar like a lion? Did it meow like a house cat? Did it sound like a chicken? Can you imagine a saber-toothed cat jumps out and goes, you're like, you got to be kidding me. That saber-toothed chicken just crowed. (laughs) I don't think it sounded like a chicken, but we can't say for sure. So when I'm telling you how I think they may have hunted, that doesn't mean I know that's how they hunted. That means I am simply assuming, making a guess that that's how they hunted. Now, we can guess what they ate because we do know those animals that I mentioned live with it and they're herbivores. And so naturally, that's what it's going to prey upon. Now, let's get back to that tooth. And here's the problem. Those teeth may have been very good for killing. Some paleontologists believe that they only use those teeth. They believe they would jump on the back of the animal, hold on to it, move around and go under its throat and use those big teeth to cut the throat so it dies. That's what some scientists believe. Other scientists believe, no, it would dig those giant teeth in between the ribs of its of its prey to puncture a lung or to cut the heart or to cut the internal organs. The teeth are very long. They're made for going deep into the prey. I don't believe that it was only using those teeth to cut the throat. Because if that was true, why would they have such super long teeth? I believe that those teeth are made for going deep into the prey, maybe not to cut a big gash, but just to make injuries that are deep enough to where the animal would slowly die of blood loss or maybe its organs, like if it punctured a lung or its kidney or uh, uh, its heart. Once the Smilodon bit you, I believe it would back up and then stay back and watch you die. It's not going to keep fighting with you because it could be injured. But this is the problem with those teeth. And this is why I think there are no more cats 
with gigantically long teeth for this reason. Okay, you have an animal with two giant teeth. If any of you are at home, see if you can find a picture of a Smilodon. Its name, by the way, is spelled S-M-I-L-O-D-O-N, Smilodon. If you can find a picture of a Smilodon and you'll see those super long teeth, this is why I want you to look at them. You see, they're both long and sharp. And when it bites, they can go into the meat very easily because there's a point at the end of each tooth. So they go in super easy. But the teeth are not very thick. They're actually kind of thin. They have to be thin for it to be able to push it in. When you're cutting with a knife, you don't want a big fat knife. You want a skinny knife to cut through the meat. Well, because this has a sharp edge on the front and back, those teeth are skinny. They're not thick. They're skinny. That is called laterally compressed. Laterally compressed means the tooth is skinny, not fat. So if it bites, the teeth go in easy because there's a point on each tooth. But if this cat broke a tooth when it was fighting or could break it anyway, if it breaks a tooth, wherever it breaks on that tooth, that means the tip isn't there anymore. And that means instead of being pointy, now it's flat. So now when the cat bites, the one tooth that's still sharp goes in easily. But the tooth that's broken, it doesn't, it can't push that tooth in because it's flat. It's not pointy anymore. So that means that the one tooth that's broken is stopping the other tooth from going into the meat. And if you can't get your super long teeth, if you can only go in an inch or a couple of centimeters, that's not enough. You don't make a deep, deep enough wound. It hurts the other guy, but it doesn't kill him. So if you break your tooth and depending on where you break it now, in all honesty, this sounds crazy, but if you were a Smilodon and you had to break a tooth, you better hope you break it way up at the top by the jaw. Cause if it's way down at the bottom, Remember, wherever it breaks, that's as far as the other tooth is going to go in. So if you break the whole tooth out, then the other tooth, you can still get that other tooth real deep in. But if you break your tooth, it's going to stop the other one from going into the meat. And that is a weak spot. That is why I believe saber-toothed cats are not here anymore. Because their teeth may have been good for killing. But if they ever broke a tooth and they didn't, they couldn't grow it back again when it breaks. If they ever broke a tooth, it would mean that that cat would probably starve to death because it wouldn't be able to get the big saber teeth deep enough into you. Modern cats like lions and leopards, those cats, their teeth are not super gigantically long. Their teeth are made for grabbing and holding. If you break off one of those teeth, it doesn't matter. You can still use your other teeth to grab and hold. But a Smilodon couldn't do that. Think about this. Those teeth actually get in the way when it eats. They're actually in the way when it eats. If you were eating at a, an Asian food restaurant and you took chopsticks and you stuck a chopstick 
up under your up under your gum or under your lip and they hung down, you look like a walrus, right? Well, if you tried to put food in your mouth, you can't because those teeth, those chopsticks would be in your way. Well, that's the same thing with a saber-toothed cat. So how did it eat? Because the little teeth in front stuck out in front and it would take little tiny bites when it ate. Oh, it would open its mouth super wide and use those big teeth to kill the prey. But that's not how it chews. It has to use tiny little bites because those big teeth get in the way. So it also means it can't eat very quickly. And that's a problem. Because if Smilodon hunted on its own and didn't have any help to protect its prey or its kill, giant short-faced bears could show up and chase it away and take away its food. A bigger Smilodon could show up and chase it away. Well, because that Smilodon can't eat really quickly, it goes through all the work of killing its prey and then somebody comes and takes it away before he can eat it. It takes Smilodon a long time to eat its food because it's taking those little tiny bites. So Smilodon's teeth may look cool and they may have made it a very dangerous animal, but the reason why that cat is not here, the reason why there are no saber-toothed cats anymore is because the teeth may have looked cool, but there were two flaws. One is they weren't able to take big bites after they killed the prey. And two, if they broke one of the teeth, they would be in big trouble. And that, my friends, is your feature creature. Now, I'm going to play a short ad for those of you that would like your own private lesson, like for your birthday, or if you belong to like the Girl Scouts or Boy Scouts or any group, if you belong to a church group, if you go to school, if you would like a lesson, here's some information about how you can have me for your own private lesson. You can have a private virtual lesson with Dinosaur George. Have him speak at your birthday party or have a lesson just for you. Lessons last 45 minutes and are available to all countries and time zones. Visit our store at DinosaurGeorge.com and order your own private lesson today. All right, let's jump over to the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook group. That's a big word. For those of you that are not a part of the Dinosaur George Kids group page on Facebook, I hope your parents will consider joining. It is a great way. It is a great way to stay in touch with me, send me pictures. You do not have to be a Patreon club member to be part of the Dinosaur George Kids page. You do not have to be a club member. You can simply, you can simply be a member totally for free. You can post pictures. You can send questions. So let's jump in and take a look at it. This first one came from, uh, looks like Miss Metesky, who said, I saw on TikTok a video and I was wondering your thoughts on it. Um, okay. I watched the video page and it, it was fun. It was, it was funny. And I'm sure the guy was joking. I don't think he was serious at all. It basically what he's talking about is how he believed that the little arms of T-Rex were actually wings, but they're not. They're completely different. The bone structure is completely different, so they're really not. But I watched the video, and it was fun, and I think the guy was just having fun, and I appreciate that you posted it on there because I enjoy that. All right, here it is. This says, DG, me and my four-year-old uh, Ozzy need you to settle an argument. 
He insists that Gastonia spikes are used to ward off would-be predators, and I keep telling him that they're for hanging laundry when his pants get wet. Here's some picture Ozzy said I absolutely have to show you. Yes, that is you in the middle of the carnivore herbivore ultimate face-off. Love your podcast. Listen to it daily. Okay, Ozzy, you think that Gastonia's spikes were made for stopping predators? Please. Everyone knows that's where they hung their laundry. Okay, I can't do it. I can't do it. I tried. I tried to take your parents' side. I couldn't do it. You are correct, little Oz. You are correct. They are used to stop predators, even though hanging their laundry might have been the other thing they did with them. You are correct. So you have to make sure and tell your parents you got it right. And by the way, why did you put me in the middle of a bunch of dinosaurs to get eaten? Here is your shout out, little Ozzy. Thank you so much. Uh, and it's uh, uh, Ozzyosaurus, which is the greatest name ever. And I love your pictures. And I love that it looks like your little brother's sister is a dinosaur. Is that your little sister? She's cute. She's called a cutie patootiosaurus. All right. This one comes from Miss Alexandra. Uh, our library is doing a reading challenge, and they shared the American Museum of Natural History's website as part of it. They have a great paleontology section. They really do. Our kids, Nico, who is six years old, and Arabella, who is four years old, uh, did this activity today and wanted to share. They drew beautiful, beautiful dinosaurs. They did, oh, this is really good. Uh, it looks like Nico did a T-Rex and Arabella did a Triceratops. You guys did such a good job and it's absolutely beautiful. And here, Isabel, Isabel, my little friend, Isabel, Isabel was sad. We missed the library zoom today. Uh, by the way, I taught a lesson for the San Antonio library here in San Antonio, but we were in the middle of our own prehistoric sea creature event. She had fun, but still sad that she missed your lesson. Well, Isabel, I am sad that I missed you too, but that looks crazy cool. You are standing in the jaws of a megalodon. That makes you a shrimp nugget because Megalodon lived in the ocean. So you are a nugget. So your new name, Shrimp Nugget. Good job, Isabel, the Shrimp Nugget. Here's a shout out. Thank you for posting it. That's very cool. Okay, let's see. It says here, uh, this is from the Mills family. Our seven-year-old daughter loves her dinosaurs. Here is her baryonyx drawing with a tiny Carnotaurus and Ankylosaurus tail in the background and Parasaurolophus in the water. We love listening to Dinosaur George. Well, my friends, the Mills family, that is very kind, and that's an excellent drawing. For seven years old, you are a very, very good artist, and I love your artwork, and I love all the bright colors. These are great. Shout out to you and your family, and thank you guys for being listeners to the podcast. I appreciate you very, very much. All right, let's see. Um, Let's see. This is from Levi. Hi, Dinosaur George. The guy in the Spinosaurus mouth is you. Wait a minute. You stinking kid. You put me in the mouth of a Spinosaurus and I'm screaming help. (laughs) 
My brother Jeremy and I love your podcast. Well, Levi, Jeremy, here is your shout out. Thank you for letting me be eaten by a Spinosaurus. By the way, I love your Spinosaurus. But get me out of his mouth. I'm not going to be eaten by a Spinosaurus. That's a great picture, by the way. I loved it. And then Timmy Soros Rex has been saving his money from the Tooth Fairy for almost a year to become a T-Rex member. Well, the Tooth Fairy came last night and left this note. And what does the note say? The note says, I was informed that you were saving up. And then the back of it says, Dear Timmy, congratulations. You are the newest T-Rex member of the Patreon Club. Well, hey, hey, hey. I am so glad, Timmy Soros Rex, to have you as a member. And I'm very glad that you were saving up. That's very good. So, so glad. Welcome to the club, my little friend. Here is your shout out. And I'm so glad the Tooth Fairy came and you lost a tooth and got to join the club. All right, here's another one. This is from the Sutton family. Hey, Dinosaur George, we recently discovered your podcast, and my son Waylon has been listening to at least one episode a day in the car to get all caught up. Good. We both have learned a lot. I'm glad, Mom. I'm glad that you are learning with your son. That speaks highly of the kind of parent that you are. He's almost six and is a dinosaur fanatic and has a collection of around 25 books just about dinosaurs. He wanted to share pictures of his recent trip to a local dinosaur museum here in Missouri and drew a Spinosaurus for you after we listened to that episode. We look forward to more episodes. Well, thank you. And Waylon, shout out to you for the pictures of you standing in front of those cool dinosaurs and for wearing a Jurassic Park shirt and for the awesome picture you drew. Mom, congratulations to you for being a good mom and listening with him. I appreciate it. Nicely done, Waylon. Very proud of you. All right, let's see. Uh, This is from Jackson Rex. Oh, nice. Hi, Dinosaur George. Here is my Microraptor picture. He's about to eat a lizard, and his name is Rex. Thank you for the podcast, Jackson Rex. Jackson Rex, shout out to you for drawing a super, super cool Microraptor. You made the right colors. You have him spread with his arms and his legs with four wings. It looks awesome. And he is swooping in. And I love that very, very much. Now, Theo, age eight from Richmond, Virginia, wanted to share some pictures. Today, we went to the Tyrannosaurus exhibit at the Science Museum of Virginia. We also saw a movie called Dinosaurs Alive in the IMAX. Well, how cool is that? This is great. Theo, love your picture. Uh, I don't want to scare you, but there's a T-Rex standing right behind you. I see you have a dinosaur book and a dinosaur. It looks like a big T-Rex, but there's one behind you. Run for your life, Theo. Thank you so much for sending me the pictures. Thank you so very much. And I am so glad that you posted the pictures. Mom or dad, whoever posted, thank you guys very much. All right, this is from the Ames family. We were just listening to the podcast on Acrocanthosaurus. Earlier in June, we went camping by Glen Rose, and this was outside the museum. Well, what I see is the three Ames boys are standing next to an Acrocanthosaurus track. How crazy cool is that? Boys, I hope you guys enjoyed yourself. Thank you for posting the picture. That looks absolutely awesome. Very proud of you. 
All right. Then my buddy Ryan says, hey, Dinosaur George, Ryan wanted to share with you his latest drawing of a T-Rex. He says he spent a lot of time on it and mom spent a lot of time on it and did a great job. And I agree completely. This is a great picture. And I love that big T-Rex you've got. But that picture is awesome. And I can tell because you colored the whole thing in, you spent a lot of time. Shout out, Ryan, for your hard work and excellent art. And I'm very, very proud of you. All right. This is says, hey, Dinosaur George, nine-year-old Eric was visiting Fossil Rim Wildlife Center in Glen Rose, Texas, when he saw this sign, which is cool. It's a sign about uh, the fossils there at uh, the Aquacanthosaurus. He also wanted to share his opinion about baby Triceratops horn. He thinks, like rhinos, they had bumps when they were babies. He loves your podcast. Well, 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 Eric, I happen to agree with you that baby Triceratops were probably born with those little bumps on their head and the horns grew larger. I love Fossil Rim Wildlife Center. I love the whole area of Glen Rose. Thank you for taking time to post this, and I loved it. Then Levi Brown posted really cool pictures of his dinosaurs. Hey, this is cool. Those are a lot of dinosaurs. You've got a bunch of them, and they look absolutely great. You've got them all lined up. They look amazing, absolutely amazing. And then Brigham, brother, sent set up another image of the dinosaurs. This one is all around the trees. You've got some great. These are great. These are absolutely great. Shout out to both of you. Roland, age three, wants to know if long-necked dinosaurs became giraffes because they both have long necks, of course. Well, Mr. Roland, first of all, shout out to you for writing to me. Dinosaurs, the long-necked dinosaurs didn't become giraffes because they're from different families. But in nature, sometimes animals can have similar features. What that means, Roland, is that they can kind of look the same, but they're not cousins. They both have long necks to reach up into the trees. So long-necked dinosaurs grew long necks to reach the trees, and giraffes grew long necks to reach the trees, but they're not related. They just happen to have long necks. Great question. Shout out to you, little Roland. Okay, Paige, age five, do this pterodactyl carrying dinosaur George. Now that, wait a minute. What did, what did that just say? Let me try that again. Paige, age five, do this. It's a pterodactyl carrying dinosaur George. Carrying dinosaur. Hey, I'm a dinosaur George. Why is it carrying me? What did I do to this pterodactyl? Why am I being carried off? Paige, I'm going to give you a shout out and tell you your art is great. But next time, don't let me get flown around by a pterodactyl. That's a great picture. I love I love the colors you use for your pterodactyl. That's really cool. Says, hi, Dinosaur George. We are Rowan, age five, and Heath, age three, from Nanup, Western Australia. We have really enjoyed every episode and really love it when you call kids little stinkers. It makes us laugh so much. Well, they are little stinkers. Most of these kids are little stinkers. Here's Rowan's Lego setup, and he would like to know if you have heard about a new dinosaur found in Australia called Australotitan cooperensis. 
Thank you for your passion for teaching kids. Well, 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 well. First of all, Rowan, Heath, shout out to both of you. And I love your pictures. I love your poster. I love everything. This is great. And I love that you two little stinkers have a new dinosaur in Australia called Australotitan cooperensis. I love that dinosaur. But they really should have named it Stinkerosaurus Bickley. That would have been a better name for that dinosaur. Stinkerosaurus Bickley. Thank you guys for listening. Mom or dad, thank you for taking the time to write. I appreciate that immensely. Okay. Uh, and I've got to say this. Marcio Beck, who is one, one of our members, created, <laughs> created the funniest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> Marcio, I have been laughing at this ever since I saw it. I'm not going to describe it. I just want you all, if you joined, to go look down the page and you'll see three pictures of me. Okay, let me read what it says. It says, I have a who would win. And then me saying, okay, sweetie, let's hear it. And then the girl says, T-Rex versus Triceratops versus. And then she starts laughing and I say, wait a minute. And then she says, versus Dinosaur George. And I scream, you little stinker. What kind of kids are you? Well, that happens every single day in my life. You little stinkers. But that's great. Thank you for, that's such a cool thing to post. Okay, here's one from Henry, who's four years old. Henry is a little confused because his encyclopedia says, Giganotosaurus carolini was the largest carnivore, but he thought Spinosaurus was the biggest. Dinosaur George, why do different people in books say different things? Why don't they all agree? Signed, confused Henry, age four in Ohio. Henry, this is an excellent, excellent question. And by the way, I love your video and I love your book and I love everything. Um, okay, Henry, here's the thing. Sometimes when people write books about dinosaurs, they're not dinosaur experts. They're not dinosaur experts. They just read something in another book and they assume that that other person did some studying. So they just copy what they hear. Other times, a scientist can uncover a fossil and a scientist can make a guess at how big it is. If they don't have the whole skeleton, they don't know for sure. So a scientist might guess that their dinosaur is the biggest. And then somebody finds a Spinosaurus and they say, no, this one is bigger. I know it's confusing, but here's why everyone doesn't agree. Because even if you found the entire skeleton of an animal, you still don't know how big it was when it was alive. Because in between each bone is something called cartilage. The end of your nose, wiggle the end of your nose with the finger. Put your finger on the end of your nose, not up your nose, boys. I know boys always have to pick their nose. Don't put your finger up your nose, boys. Touch the end of your nose and wiggle it. It wiggles because there's cartilage inside. Well, that same stuff is in between all of your bones. And when the dinosaur dies, that cartilage decomposes. It disappears. All we have are the bones. We don't know. How thick was that cartilage? Was it super thick? Was it thin? Well, that may, not, that may not mean a lot, but think about this. If there's 50 bones in a row and the cartilage is one inch thick, you have to add 50 inches 
to the bone, to, to the tail. Let's say it's a tail. Well, right away, the tail is already a couple of feet longer just by how much cartilage you put in between it. What if that cartilage was two inches thick? Now you have to make it a hundred inches longer. So you see, there's no way anybody's going to agree completely on how big an animal is because there's some things we don't know. And the last thing to keep in mind is when your book is written, maybe at the time the book was written, Giganotosaurus was thought to be biggest. But then later, somebody found a bigger Spinosaurus. So sometimes it can be that when your book was written, that was the fact. But then later, they found a bigger one. They can't go back into your book and change the words, right? Okay. Um, let me see. Let me jump through here one more time. Uh, oh, here we go. Okay. This is, uh, we're so excited to be here. My son, Ryan, who is seven and dino obsessed, obviously, the tooth fairy was generous this week and Ryan is part of the Raptor Club. Nicely done. Nicely done. That tooth fairy is one of my favorite, favorite people. Welcome to the club, by the way. Welcome to the club, Ryan. I'm so glad. Now, they say we're fortunate enough to live in Calgary, which is about two hours drive from Drumheller and the Royal Tyrell Museum, which we were just at last weekend to celebrate Ryan finishing grade two. Next time you're in town, we'll meet up. Well, let me tell you something, uh, mom and dad of Ryan. I'm going to take you up on that. I absolutely want to go back to the Royal Terrell Museum. And if I do, I will post it to everyone and hope to be able to meet you and to meet you, Ryan, and to say congratulations for finishing grade two. Congratulations for being a member. I'm so glad you are a member. Okay, uh, let's see. I think... Okay, I think that's everybody. Now, let me say this to everybody, okay? Let, let me say this. So many of you write to me through uh, the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook group that sometimes I can't remember if I already gave you a shout-out in an earlier podcast. So if you've written to me and I don't give you a shout-out, then please post it again. Go back and post it again so that you go back to the top of the list so that I can find you. Okay, many of you heard that so many people have been given uh, gifts from the Tooth Fairy or for birthday gifts to join our Patreon club. I hope that you will join the Patreon club and become a member because we do some pretty cool stuff. As a matter of fact, T-Rex members are watching a video of me recording this podcast. So they actually get to watch a video of it. Everybody else gets to hear it. So anyway, that's just one of the perks. So I hope you will consider becoming a member because that certainly helps me do more of these podcasts. So speaking of that, let me give you some information about the Patreon Club. Become a member of the Dinosaur George Patreon Club and join the fun. We offer different club levels, each with their own set of benefits. Private lessons, new discoveries, behind-the-scene access, and much more are all part of being a club member. Visit DinosaurGeorge.com and sign up today. All right. Let's answer a couple of Ask Dinosaur George questions. Now, this first group is from Patreon members, so they get priority. So here we go. Four-year-old Rye is thrilled to be a new T-Rex member, but has fallen asleep early before his first lesson. I'm so sorry to hear that, but my little friend, 
We record all of the lessons and we post them and you can watch them anytime you want. Um, meanwhile, he has a question he hopes you'll answer on your next podcast. Well, guess what? I am. Might dinosaurs have spurs on the back of their legs like our roosters? Thanks for inspiring fun and learning. Sincerely, Sarah, who is Rye's mom. Well, mommy, thank you for taking the time to write for little Rye. Uh, and thank you for becoming a member. Um, okay, so when we look at the foot of a dinosaur, we can see that they do have a little toe that kind of points backwards, but it's not actually a spur. For those of you that have not been around chickens, a spur is a sharp pointy thing on the back of rooster's legs. They use them for fighting. They kick and those things hurt. I grew up on a farm. I was chased by a rooster all the time. And if he caught me, he would kick with those legs and kick me with that spur. It hurt. It could make you bleed. But there's no evidence, uh, Rye, that any dinosaurs had that. Now, obviously, raptors have a specialized claw, right, that they can use for kicking. But that one points up and forward. So this is a brilliant question. And thank you for writing to me. And I hope you get a chance to watch the lessons. And I hope you join us live for your next lesson. All right. Declan wants to know, um, or Declan says, Ankylosaurus, was Ankylos the most powerful dinosaur ever? Well, Declan, yeah, Ankylosaurus is a very powerful dinosaur. Not as powerful as the big sauropods because they were bigger, and that simply means they were stronger. But as for body armor and as for protection, I will say this, and I've said this before, I do not believe any predators messed around with a grown-up ankylosaurus. I do not think they did it because they knew they were going to be hurt. So it may not have been the most powerful, but I will always say it was one of the most well-defended. All right, 10-year-old Kamal from Ireland. If dinosaurs come back to life somehow, would they be able to survive in our atmosphere with the difference in oxygen levels? What a brilliant question. Kamal, welcome to the club, by the way. Glad to have you with us. Love Ireland. My mom's family is from Ireland. They were the Noonans, which is an Irish name. And one of my hopes is to go to Ireland one day. And when I do, I'm going to expect you and your parents to take me around and be my tour guide. Okay, if dinosaurs came back. Now, this is a great question. We know by looking at fossilized tree sap. Fossilized tree sap. That's the gooey, sticky stuff that comes out of trees when you break a limb. Well, sometimes that sap can turn into a solid and become something called amber. Well, amber traps things inside of it, things like bugs and leaves and insects. And so it perfectly seals them. Well, you know what else amber can trap? Bubbles of air. And because of those bubbles of air, scientists can drill into the amber, pull out the bubble of air and test it to see how much oxygen it has. And then if they know the age of the amber, they know how much oxygen was in the atmosphere. And it turns out when dinosaurs were alive, there was much greater oxygen. There was a higher percentage of oxygen. Would dinosaurs make it today? Probably not, Kamal. Probably not. Because I believe that the terrestrial dinosaurs were made to live in a high oxygen environment. When that oxygen changed and why did it change? Because of volcano, because of the impact of the asteroid, it changed the percentage of oxygen. It pour, it pour more, it put more carbon dioxide in the air, and that squeezed out some of the oxygen. So 
I think the reason why the dinosaurs went extinct is because they didn't have enough oxygen to be able to do the things they wanted to do. They didn't fall over dead. But what it means, think about this. If we took an elephant and we put the elephant on top of the highest mountain, let's say Mount Everest, that elephant wouldn't immediately die. But you know what? It would have a hard time breathing. It couldn't run. It couldn't move very quickly. It couldn't go find food. It couldn't go find water because it simply couldn't do it because there's not enough oxygen for its big body. But other animals like crocodiles, lizards, snakes, birds, those animals didn't die when the oxygen level changed because their bodies didn't need to have that much oxygen. They were perfectly fine. So the answer to your question, I don't believe they could survive in the environment today because their lungs wouldn't be able to get enough oxygen. That's my opinion. Okay, Becca, do you know if velociraptors could climb trees? Great question. I don't think so for two reasons. One, how, how heavy they were. Even though they're light animals, they still are going to have... The only animal that can climb trees, like cats, they need feet and legs for doing that. Or, or arms and legs for climbing. You can't climb up a tree with your back legs. You just can't do it. And so, first of all, their arms are not made for climbing. Their arms are made for grabbing. So they would have to have arms big enough to reach around almost the whole tree. Kind of, have you ever seen a squirrel climb up a tree? Well, a squirrel can do that because it only weighs a tiny, a couple of ounces. Dinosaurs like raptors, regardless of the size, are going to be kind of heavy. Now, I do think some raptors like Mycoraptor could, but Velociraptor, in my opinion, is too heavy. Its arms are not made for climbing. Its legs are not made for climbing. So in my opinion, Velociraptor probably could not or was probably not a good climber. Okay, this next one is from Isaac. Hi, Dinosaur George. I love being a T-Rex member, and I'm very excited to get a chance to be interviewed. Yeah, I hope so, Isaac. That's so cool, and I love interviewing T-Rex members. I have been finding bones and shark teeth, and I'm wondering how you can tell the difference between an unfossilized bone and a fossilized bone. Thank you so much and have a great day. What a polite thing to say, Isaac. What a nice thing to say. Well, I hope you have a, a great day too. Okay, um, there are times that we do find bones from Ice Age mammals, like Smilodon, where the bones aren't turned to stone yet. They still look like a bone. How can you tell the difference? It's actually kind of hard, but it's all about the smell. I'm not talking about my deadly underarm smell. I'm talking about the smell when the bone gets hot. Let me explain what I mean. Um, you can't do this, but if your parents are with you and you ever find a bone, you have to get your parents to do this. You, you cannot do this by yourself. That is, you can get the bone hot, meaning that if your parents have like a cigarette lighter that they can hold under it to where the, the flames touch the bone. If you smell and it smells stinky like burning hair, that means it's not prehistoric. It's not ancient. But if you don't smell anything, that means it's probably prehistoric. Now, again, you kids cannot do that on your own. You, If you mess with fire, you, you truly will hurt yourself or you could set your house on fire. So you cannot do that without a parent. But there's another way to do it without using fire, and that's put it outside in the sunlight. Let it stay outside in the sunlight and then pick it up and smell it. If it smells a little stinky, that means it's not from something from a long time ago. But I, I will tell you this. 
almost every bone you find of an ancient animal is going to be super heavy. The other way to tell is how light they are. If it's super light, it's probably not. But there are other ways scientists can tell the difference. Most importantly, it's because they know that where they're looking, modern animals aren't there usually. Well, like, you know, if you're looking for dinosaur bones, I was looking for a dinosaur bone one time and found the skeleton of a, of a deer that had died maybe a year before. So the deer bone, I immediately looked at that and went, that doesn't feel like bone. It doesn't smell like the right age. So I knew that it was not. So anyway, those are good questions. All right. And then these questions, these are the last questions I'll answer. And then we're going to jump into the who would win segment. Now, these questions came from people that went to my website, dinosaurgeorge.com. And they clicked on the Dinosaur George Kids podcast page. When you click on that page, you can listen to my podcast through that page. And there's a little form you can fill out where you can send me a question. These questions came from that. This one is from Tom, who is eight years old that lives in Perth, Western Australia. Hi, George. I'm obsessed with dinosaurs and would love to become a paleontologist one day. Well, Tom, I hope you do. Tom says, I would like to learn more about the following dinosaurs. They seem really interesting. Cryolophosaurus, Leoceratops, Dimetrodon, and the local Ozraptor. Thank you so much, George. I love your podcast. Thank you, Tom. Shout out to you for listening all the way down in Perth, Western Australia. Yeah, those are great. I did do a, a uh, podcast on Dimetrodon. I'll try to do one on Cryolophosaurus. Did I do Cryolophosaurus? I don't think I did, but I'm going to try. Great suggestions. Okay, uh, Nia, age seven from Oakland, California. Is Styracosaurus a Ceratopsian? And also, is Taurosaurus a Ceratopsian? Yes, they are. Nia is seven years old, by the way, from Oakland, California. Yes, they are, Nia. That's great. Those are excellent questions. Yes, Styracosaurus belongs to the Ceratopsian family, as does Taurosaurus. They are both members of that family. Nice question. Very good. Okay, Elijah, age seven, from San Antonio, Texas. Are dinosaur ancestors to bats? Well, Elijah, very good question. They're not actually related to bats. Bats are mammals. Um, bats are related to cats and dogs, but not dinosaurs. But that's a very good question. And, you know, some people will look at bats and go, are they related to pterodactyls? They're not related to pterodactyls either. They are part of the mammal family. Bats are one of the only flying mammals. I know there's other gliding mammals, but I think bats are the only mammal that can flap its wings and actually fly. Good question. All right, Madeline, age eight, also from San Antonio, Texas. Does Tyrannosaurus rex have some kind of special part to keep the bacteria from hurting its own teeth? What a great question, Madeline. What Madeline is talking about, Madeline was on a lesson that I taught, a virtual lesson, where I talked about how the teeth of Tyrannosaurus were covered with bacteria and that when it bit something, that bacteria would go into the wound and cause an infection that would kill the animal. So Madeline's question is, how come the bacteria didn't kill it? Well, that has to do with its immune system, Madeline. And that means some animals don't, don't get sick from things that other ones do. An example of that would be a vulture or a buzzard. They can actually eat bacteria. They can eat diseases. They can eat viruses. And their body fights off any infection. 
That's just the way they're made. Sharks. Sharks can eat animals that have things like any of those viruses. And sharks don't die from it. Some animals can do that. Well, Tyrannosaurus happens to be one of them. It doesn't care that the bacteria on its mouth. And now I will say this. The bacteria are actually eating away at its teeth. The bacteria are eating away at the teeth. T-Rex doesn't care. Because like a shark, when that tooth falls out, a new one grows back. They don't care. They just keep growing new teeth. And here's the last one. This is from Hattie, age five, from uh, the United Kingdom, England, which I love your country, Hattie. Hi, George. I love listening to your podcast. My question is, how long is Brachiosaurus's neck? Many thanks, Hattie. Well, thank you, Hattie. I'm glad you like the podcast, and I hope you hear your name being mentioned, and I hope you appreciate the shout out. Maddie, that neck of a Brachiosaurus, I think, is about nine meters long. That's about 30 feet long. I think that's how long just the neck, just the neck of that dinosaur is. All right, my little friends, let's take another short break so I can catch my breath. Then we're going to do a who would win. And then we're going to end it by doing an interview with one of my Patreon T-Rex members. All right, here, let's just use this as our break. It's time for our- Hey, wait, we can't use that one for the break. That's the feature creature. We already did that. I wonder what we should play for the break. What do you think we should play? Who would win? What if two different prehistoric creatures fought? Who would win? T-Rex versus a giant wolf? Raptor versus Terror Bird? Spinosaurus versus Triceratops? You choose the animals, and Dinosaur George will size them up and pick a winner. Now... Get ready. It's time to find out who would win. All right. This first one comes from Lucas, who says, who would win between Iguanodon, Draco Rex, and and Shantungasaurus? Whoa. This is a good mix-up, Lucas. Shantungasaurus is so ginormous. It's probably going to win. Now, I will say Iguanodon certainly has some advantage with that spiked thumb, and Draco Rex would have an advantage with speed. But even though Iguanodon has a thumb spike, the problem is that it's not very long. It's really made to just inflict a short injury and then back away. Shantungasaurus, that's not going to hurt it. It's going to hurt. I mean, it's going to hurt when it gets stabbed, but it's not going to die. So in my opinion... Shantungasaurus is simply too big and would overpower all of these. And by the way, Lucas says that he's coming to Texas to visit me at the zoo and visit me at Trader's Village. Lucas, I can't wait to meet you in person and shake your hand and say welcome. So glad. All right. Reed sent a good one. Reed said, who would win? Dilophosaurus that shoots venom versus Indominus Rex versus Dinosaur Joe. Wait a minute. Let me read that again. Dilophosaurus that shoots venom versus Indominus Rex versus versus Dinosaur George. Why did you put me in this fight, Reed, you stinking kid? Okay, first of all, if Dilophosaurus can shoot venom, he's going to blind poor Indominus Rex. So Indominus can't see. He's just walking around swinging his arms and screaming. That leaves me and Dilophosaurus. Now, before Dilophosaurus can get another batch of venom to shoot, 
I would run over, lift up my right arm, and give him the stink bomb. And Dilophosaurus would simply... (coughs) And I am victorious. Once again, saved by the stink bomb. All right, Zach said... Oh, Zach, this is a good one. Zach is... I call him my little bro. Zach's in a good one. Indominus Rex versus a mated pair of Tyrannosaurus Rex. What a great battle. Indominus obviously has the size advantage, but a mated pair, what that means is a mom and a dad. Two T-Rexes that stay together all the time. That means they hunt together all the time. That means they kind of know what the other one's going to do in certain circumstances. That means tag team match of the century, baby. Indominus Rex may come in and he's going to face one of the Tyrannosaurs and one of the one of let's say dad is going to face off with him and dad is moving back and forth in front of him and Indominus is focused on dad because Indominus knows he can take that dinosaur down. But what Indominus doesn't know is coming out of the clearing from behind it is the female, the mate. She's closing in. She's not screaming and roaring and stomping. She is closing in silently. And before Indominus Rex knows what happened, she grabs him by the tail and swings him around and slams him to the ground. And that's when dad comes in. They would stand on Indominus and they would terrorize that thing until he gave up or ran off or didn't make it. This is a great battle. And I love that, especially because it's a mated pair, which would mean, in my opinion, they know how to do that together. That's great. All right. Declan wrote. The Hulk versus Argentinosaurus. What a battle! The Hulk. The Hulk. Now, Argentinosaurus is bigger than the Hulk. But the Hulk could jump straight up into the air and land on the neck of Argentinosaurus, and the fight would be over. In fact, the Hulk could leap up into the air and one-punch him. One-punch man! could hit that poor Argentinosaurus and down he would go. And then the Hulk would simply land on the ground, look around, jump up and fly off to who knows where. But I believe Declan, the Hulk is going to win. And then finally, Clara, who's eight years old. Clara said, my who would win battle is Stegosaurus versus Triceratops versus Ankylosaurus versus Pachycephalosaurus. Nice battle. Let's size them up. You all know my opinion of Ankylosaurus. So right away, he's simply going to stand on the sidelines and watch everybody else. Triceratops is probably going to be able to take out Stegosaurus. Stegosaurus has to be standing sideways to be able to use its tail effectively. Triceratops is made to be able to run right around in front of him before he can turn. And Triceratops could use those horns. Now, Pachycephalosaurus is going to be the fastest of the bunch, but I don't believe Pachycephalosaurus has any hope of doing anything to Triceratops or Ankylosaurus. So Pachy's going to make a run for it. And that leaves Triceratops versus Anki. Triceratops' horns, if he could get those horns in, in between the spot where the shell on the back of Ankylos is, Ankylosaurus and the soft tummy, That could do some damage. That could really do some damage. But that would take, 
That would mean that the ankylosaurus would have to be standing perfectly still, and I don't see that happening. I believe that Triceratops may make a run, but the minute those horns hit that body armor, those horns are going to be shattered. And while those horns are shattered and Triceratops is now focused on his horns, that allows Ankylosaurus to swing his rear around and swing that tail club and shatter the shield or the jaw of the or the arm of Triceratops. I believe that Anki, Anki wins this one. And finally, Clara said, by the way, if you used your stink power against a Carnotaurus, it would probably think you were a rotting carcass and eat you. What kind of comment was that? My stink bomb is the only weapon I have. And now you're saying my stink bomb weapon is going to get me eaten. Clara, I have to have a weapon. My stink bomb swells, smells worse than rotting meat. Even a Carnotaurus would have to hold his little nose and run the other way. Cause nothing can take my stink bomb. All right, my friends, it is time to interview my T-Rex member. Would you like to be interviewed on a future podcast episode? Well, now you can. Become a Tyrannosaurus member of our Patreon club, and you might be chosen for an interview with Dinosaur George. Visit dinosaurgeorge.com to join the club. And now, let's meet a Tyrannosaurus club member. All right, my Tyrannosaurus member for this one is the one... And only Zane. Zane, how are you doing, little buddy? Good. Good. Now, this I, is my first time having an interview with you. But how cool is that? Well, I'm kind of excited. Are you excited about it? Yes, very excited. Oh, good. Now, I noticed you're missing a front tooth. What happened? Did you sneeze and your tooth flew out? No. <laughs> I didn't squat and my tooth was used and I was bringing my hair on my disc. And then, boom, it fell out in yeah. my mouth. <laughs> and, then I, and then I went to the nurse, and she gave me a little necklace to put my tooth in. Oh, that's so cool. And what did you do I, when you got home with your tooth? Did you put it under the pillow? Well, I waited until I went before I went to sleep, and I put it under there, but the tooth fairy didn't come that night. I had to wait till the next night, and oh. then the tooth fairy came. That just means the tooth fairy was busy. Uh, yep. Maybe, uh, maybe too many kids lost their tooth that day. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. <laughs> because it was a school day. Well, that's right. It was a school day, so everybody was losing their tooth. Probably. Well, let's talk about dinosaurs. Now, I know who your favorite dinosaur is. What is the name of your favorite dinosaur? Of course, it's Velociraptor. That guy is my favorite. Yeah, that is a cool dinosaur. Why do you like Velociraptor so much, Zane? Oh, it's pretty fast and I'm pretty fast. Oh, so you're kind of like a Velociraptor. Yes, that's true. Ooh, maybe I should change your name to Zanaraptor. Or Velocizane. <laughs> that was a little funny, actually. <laughs> so, do you think it's cool that they have those claws on their foot? Yes. The, 
I, the cattle claws are used to cut meat and kill the prey. Very good. That's very good. So what about their hands? Now they have claws on their hands. Do you think, do you think they use those just to grab their prey or do you think they slashed with their hands too? They might slash with their hands or they might use it to grab their prey. Oh yeah. Who knows? Yeah, that's the best. You know what? But that's the best part about paleontology, Zane. I like that sometimes we don't know all the answers, right? It would be boring if we knew everything, right? Yes, that's actually true. So what about feathers? Now, some scientists think dinosaurs like Velociraptor had feathers. Some don't. What do you think? Do you think they had feathers? Well, there's a pretty, there's a pretty, there's a chance that they do because other raptors like Michael have feathers. boy, that's very, very good. And that's a great observation, Zane, is when you compare family members, because you're right, Microraptor is a cousin of Velociraptor. And when you compare the family members, if one in the family has them, there's a pretty good chance that the other ones did too. I think Velociraptor had feathers. I think it did. Do you think it could fly? If they had feathers, okay, do you know the weight of Velociraptor? How much does he weigh? I don't know. He weighs probably about 100, well, maybe not 100, probably about 70 pounds, maybe 60 pounds. That would be too heavy to fly. There you go. boy. Nicely done. You are correct. Velociraptor weighed too much to fly. So then if it has feathers but it doesn't use them to fly. I wonder what it what it used its feathers for. What do you think it could use its feathers for? It, some, some, like it, maybe like a peacock, it might use them for mating, or maybe it could use it to camouflage. Oh, both excellent answers. And I agree. I think that they may have used the feathers to show off, maybe to attract a mate, or... To camouflage. Why would it want to be camouflaged? So it wouldn't get eaten by its natural predator, the T-Rex. Nice. Now, also, what if it could camouflage so that its prey couldn't see it, and then it could rush out and grab it? Yes, that's actually a pretty good, that's a pretty good reason why the animal... Like an animal today. Some animals today have feathers. Well, they can camouflage and then they sneak up on your prey. That's right. That's very... Man, you are a smart kid. Now, do you think velociraptors lived by themselves or do you think they lived in a group? Well, I don't know, but they probably lived in a group. Then they... that The benefit part is they're smart, so... But in a, I went in a group, they could take down bigger animals, so they probably will live in a group. I I listened to a lot of your podcast, Dinosaur Jones. <laughs> I'm glad. Do you like the podcast? Yes. I I'm, I think I was listening to one oil today, actually. Oh, wow. Well, you know, I am so glad. Oh, let me ask you this. 
Is there a dinosaur or an animal that you would like for me to do a podcast on? Is there something you would really like to learn more about? Yes. Well, there's a well, uh, and there's a dinosaur that is pretty mysterious. Well, I think. Well, well, have you done one on Velociraptor? Yeah, I think you have. Yeah, I think I did a vel. I think I did a Velociraptor. I did Utah Raptor. Did I do okay. Velociraptor? I have no idea. Honestly, man, I'm but, gonna have to. I can't remember, Zane. I can't remember. Well, if you could, I would like one, you to do one on Velociraptor because that's my favorite dinosaur. Absolutely. I tell you what, I'm gonna do. I'm gonna yeah. look and see if I didn't do one on Velociraptor, I will do one on Velociraptor because I like that dinosaur too. It's a cool dinosaur. I know, right? Yeah, yeah. A whole group of it might be able to take down a whole. Like, maybe if they were so alive today, a group would definitely be able to take down five dogs. Oh, easily. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. yeah. Or it could attack something big. They could attack, like, a duck bill. <laughs> maybe even, like, Triceratops, a dinosaur as big as Triceratops. Maybe if cavemen were alive at that time, they could attack cavemen. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I would love to see... A live Velociraptor, but only if I was a long way away. I wouldn't want to be close to a Velociraptor. Do you think it would make a good pet? Well, if you didn't have any pets and if you could tame it, then yes. Ooh, now how cool would that be if you could tame a Velociraptor? I know, right? <laughs> You're walking There's down the street. There's this one dragon called How to Train a Dragon, and the... And they and they could tame a dragon in that movie. Now you talk about dragons. You like dragons too, right? Yes, dragons are one of my favorite topics. Yeah, I love dragons. Now, do you like the dragons that fly or the dragons that only walk? Well, in that movie, there's a spins as as. A speed snigle. And I like that animal because it's kind of like a Velociraptor, too. It's very fast, but it's tall, but it can paralyze its prey or whoever gets close to it. And also, it can run on water. Oh, man. Now, that's a cool dragon. But I I also like dragons that can fly. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I think they look cool, right? With those big Uh wings. Mm-hmm. Did you did you ever see uh, what was the movie that had a giant dragon named Smaug? Uh, no, I, I don't think so. Whatever the movie's called, I think I may hear even a human named Smaug. Yeah, well, that okay. I know what it was. It was in The Hobbit, called The Hobbit, and there was a oh. giant dragon named Smaug. Then I haven't, then I haven't watched it. Yeah, he was big. He was a giant dragon. And of course he breathed fire. Do you think that dragons that breathe fire look cool or the ones that don't? Well, actually fire roofing dragons would make a pretty good pet for me if I could tame one. (laughs) 
So you want a fire-breathing dragon and a velociraptor. I tell you one thing. I'm not coming around your house, kid. <laughs> I only have two dogs, and my sister has one, too. You have- and also I had some pit fish. Hey, that's all I have for pets. Well, I'm glad because your fish don't breathe fire, do they? No. Good. They're just the, the kind of fish that they are. They're called guppies. That's oh, my fish. I like guppies. They're very colorful, aren't they? Yes. Two of, one is a male, two are females. Oh, now you have pet fish, pet dogs, and a pet sister. No. Thanks, <laughs> Jules. Sometimes you're really making me laugh. <laughs> well, I thought you said you had a pet sister. No. No, my sister has a pet dog. Oh, so your sister, your dog has a pet sister. No, no, my sister, my sister has a pet dog. And your sister is a guppy? No, no. I just kidding. It was not actually going to log away. <laughs> my sister is a human. Oh, and- good. And she has a pet dog. Oh, excellent. Now, is your sister older than you or younger than you? Well, she's older than me, but my she's not my but she's not the oldest sister. My oldest sister is already an adult. She's an adult because she has a baby, but she's not more than twenty years old. But my but my other sister is. Only one of them lives with me right now. Ah, now are you the youngest one in your family, or is there somebody younger than you? Well, there's, right now I know that there's two, I have two cousins that are younger than me. Ah. After three, Ooh. maybe four. Do your cousins well, live near, or do, do you have to go a long way to see your cousins? Sometimes, I don't know if Ed, my cousin Ezra lives far, but... Definitely my, but maybe my, my, wait, cousin Leah doesn't. Oh. Who knows? That's right. Now I want to ask you, what kind of stuff do you like to do? I know you like to learn about dragons and I know you like to learn about uh, dinosaurs, but what else do you like to do? Do you like playing outside? What do you like to do? I like playing with my friends, and I also like playing on my Nintendo. Ooh, what kind of games do you play? Well, I can tell you all the games that I have, and I might even, and I could also show you all. Well, one my one of my favorite games is called Ring Fit. I tried it out at Houston once, where my other sister lives. Wow! So, what do you do in that game? The it's kind. It's a game that's also an exercise, oh. and sometimes you even have to battle. I oh. like the battling parts. Oh, that's cool. That sounds really cool. So tell me, you have a T-Rex on your arm. What is that thing? It's a strap bracelet, and I hug it, and it also doubles as a stuffed animal that I always hug. Awesome. Did you give it a name? Yes. Its name is Tiwi. And did you know it was made in China? Oh. I just saw it now. See? Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. I could take it off and I could show you. 
It says that it's made in China. Oh, yeah. I noticed that a yard of sinks in Texas are made in China. Yeah, that's true. I do see it. Oh, very good. I do see it. Very good. It's blurry, but... Yeah. No, I can see it fine. So I like that. Where did you get that T-Rex from? Oh, I... Did you go to China? You went to China? No, no. Did you fly to China? No. Did you drive to China? No. Did you ride on the back of a fire-breathing dragon? No. Did you ride on the back of your sister? No. Did you ride a dog? No. Did you ride a velociraptor? No. Did you ride a guppy? No. (laughs) I went to the zoo. Oh. The zoo. You got it at the zoo. Yes, when they were doing dinosaur themed, my mom bought me this. It was only five dollars. Hey, that's pretty good. That's really cool. Now, when you went to the zoo, what kind of animals do you like? Oh, I would easy a cheetah or ostrich. Oh, I think there is birds now. I like the birds. Oh. And also, I like the lions. Yeah, I love the lions. You know what my favorite thing at the zoo is? What? Popcorn. What? (laughs) You would even like to see the T-Rex. I see the T-Rex robot in there. Oh, I did see that. That was cool, wasn't it? I know. Once I watched a video where they had, I, I think... A place like a buffet. Oh, nice. Dinosaur fiend. Oh, yeah, baby. I yeah, like that's, that's cool. Now, have you ever been to any museums before? Yes, I went to a museum in Houston, and it had and it had dinosaur monsters. Yeah. Or probably replicas. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good museum, though. They have T-Rex, and they have Diplodocus, um, Allosaurus. Yeah, in Houston. Houston. Yeah, that's a very good museum. The Houston Museum is very good. Can I go unlock the door for my mom? Of course you can. Of course you can. Go unlock the door. What, did you lock her up? Kid locked his mom. No, I did not. Uh, Was that your mom who just barked? No. If your mom barks, that's scary. No. No, she didn't. She did it. Well, my sister's here now. Oh, ho, your sister, your pet? Is that your pet no. sister? No. <laughs> you know my sister could hear you, right? Uh, yeah. Hello, pet sister. <laughs> She's not my pet. <laughs> now, is, is, is your sister the guppy? She's a guppy, right? No. Oh. But she has a pet guppy. The guppies are mine. Oh, she's a dragon. No. <laughs> if she was a dragon, I would have to be a dragon because we have the same muddle. Oh, that's and a good point. That's a good if, point. If, and if I was a dragon, I would have wings. Almost all dragons in that movie had wings. Oh, I think nice. only one type of dragon did it in that movie. Now, you know, I saw a picture one time of a dragon with two heads. Have you ever seen that before? No, but in the movie, there's a dragon with two heads, and another one was full. In the game, I have that dragon. Oh, that's cool. The one with full heads. 
That nice. four heads. Do they all breathe fire? Well, I don't know, but in the movie it says that they like to jump in the mud. In the movie it says that. Oh no, that's that sounds like it'd be a lot of fun. Now let me ask no. you this. Would you like to go dig up a dinosaur one day? Do you think that'd be fun? Yes, that would be very fun. Yeah, digging up a dinosaur is crazy. It's a lot of work, but it wouldn't that be a lot of fun to do that? Yeah, it would. And just think if you were digging up a dinosaur and you realized it was a velociraptor. I'd be so excited to play it in the museum. Yeah, that would be cool. Maybe we can we could name it Zane and we'll put it in a museum so other kids can see it. Well, we would have to replicate it. We don't want it to get damaged, right? Oh, right. At a boy, that's very good. And I know that paleontologists replicate it before they put it in museums. That's right. That's very good. Yeah, because we don't want to damage it. And also, Zane, we want to have the bones so other paleontologists can study the bones. So we make a replica of it. And that's what we put in the museums. And then the real bones stay in the laboratory where scientists can study them. Yes, I heard that once somebody brought up a museum with some spinosaur bones. Yes, that happened in Germany during World War II. And you know what? Not only did it blow up Spinosaurus, it also blew up some bones from Carcharodontosaurus. Yeah, blew up both of them. Well, also, can I tell you something? Sure. I hold that there's two types of, well, I hold that. I think that Spinosaur could walk in four legs and on two. Yeah. Yeah, some scientists think that they only walked on two. Others believe they could walk on all fours. I think they're still studying it to figure that out. But whatever the case, it's it's a crazy cool dinosaur. Well, guess what? I heard that Spinosaur, if, if, if they couldn't walk on two, right. then those other types of Spinosaurs. That's right. There's another type of Spinosaur. Oh, yes. Yeah, there's a... can't walk on all fours and all. And on two. That's right. Yeah, it's got all kinds of cousins. Well, all right, my little buddy. Now, do you have any questions you want to ask me, or do you want to ask me a who would win before we go? Well, two. Have you ever played a game Minecraft? I've not, but I hear it's it's a lot of fun. Do you like it? Yes, I I have it, and I'm wearing my Minecraft shirt right I now. I see your Minecraft shirt. That's pretty cool. Once I made a TNT cannon on my own. Nice. Well, I did copy an, another TNT cannon. That's okay, though. You did it yourself. That's all that's in, That's all that matters. It's very yep. good. All right, my little friend. Let me ask you this. Do you like being a club member? Do you enjoy the Patreon club? Yes. And also, before we go, I have a word win. All right, let's hear it. But it better not include me, kid. Oh, I know it won't. But, okay. what if, but even what if you had 50 
Tyrannosaurus is on your side. Whoa. You would definitely win. Whoa. So what is your who would win? Tell me what your who would win would be. Well, this is a pretty interesting one. Okay. A dinosaur on a T-Rex that could breathe fire against a dragon that can breathe fire. Oh. And it could also fly. Oh, man. So the T-Rex can breathe fire, but uh-huh. the dragon can breathe fire and the dragon can fly? Yes. Oh, man. I don't think T-Rex is going to win that battle, Zane. I think the flying dragon is going to be the one that wins because it can go up in the air. It can go way up in the sky and T-Rex can't see it. And then it can come swooping down. Boy, that would be a crazy battle. Who do you think would win that battle? Well, if if the T and well if the, well if the if the if the T Rex was smart enough that to know it could do that, maybe just maybe it could win. Oh, that's a good a, point. There's a very small chance it could win. I that's, mean, if it if it found out what its pattern was, then it could dodge it and maybe attack it with fire. That's really good. I didn't good. say the dragon was fireproof, did I? Oh, that's right. Oh, so, ho, ho, ho. so the T Rex might win too. Ooh. And T Rex, and is it true that T Rex have teeth to crunch bones? Oh yeah, yeah. T Rex's so teeth are bone. T Rex would probably win if if the dragon stayed on the ground for enough time. Yeah, I like that. That's a very good one. That's a good point. I would need a calculator to find that one out, yeah. would you? <laughs> I think you're right, my little friend. Well, Zane, there are kids in over 95 countries that listen to this podcast. Would you like to say something to all of those kids? Would you like to tell them hello? Or what would you like to say to all of the kids all over the world? Well, one, yes, one thing. Everybody, everybody out there that likes dragons or dinosaurs, keep on spinning, and you someday you might become a paleontologist like Dinosaur George himself. That is the coolest greeting I've ever heard. Zane, did you have fun doing this interview? Yes, I was so excited when my mom told me that I was doing that interview with you. Oh, yeah, yeah. Your name came up on the wheel. I was watching the wheel, and I saw it getting closer to your name, and I'm like, oh, come on. Come on. Stop on the dragon kid. Stop on the dragon kid. And it did. And I'm like, yes, dragon master. Zane the dragon master. I actually like a dragon as a pet. Yeah, well, I know you have a dragon as a pet. You have a pet dragon, you have a pet velociraptor, a pet dog, a pet fish, and a pet sister. No, okay. My, my sister is not my pet, and also I don't have a pet dragon and a pet velociraptor, but I wish I did. <laughs> well, if we can ever clone them, I'm going to mail one to you. Zane, thank you so much, buddy, for taking time out. I hope you enjoyed this, and uh, I hope to see you again soon. Wait, I think I know how to train the Velociraptor if you did. All right, tell me. How would you train How would you train it? Well, I would have to put it in a kennel and keep on feeding it. <laughs> and then it might become my friend. That's right. All, as long as you give it food, it will become your friend. All right, buddy. Probably. Thank you, Zane. Have a good day, buddy. Bye.
All right, that was my interview with my buddy Zane. Thank you so very much, Zane. Thank you so much for being a, a, a T-Rex member of the Patreon Club. If you would like the opportunity to be interviewed on one of my podcasts, become a T-Rex member. I hope you will all consider becoming members of the Patreon Club. Membership started only $1 a month, and we have three different levels of club members. Remember, for those of you in or around Port Allen, Louisiana, I will be setting up my traveling dinosaur museum at the Port Allen Community Center. It will be open from 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. on July 14th, 2021. So if you live in or around that area, I hope you come. I hope you all enjoyed today's lessons. I hope you learned some new things about Smilodon. And I hope you enjoyed all of this. It was a lot of fun. I enjoyed doing these so much. Thank you all so much. Remember, be kind to everyone. Be polite to everyone. Because kindness and politeness are two of the most important things you should do. You should always be kind and always be polite. Have a great day, everybody. And thank you all. Oh, and make sure to go over to the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook group and sign up to be part of it. I love to see all of your pictures and uh, comments. Thank you guys so much. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you for listening to Dinosaur George Kids. Join the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook group, become a member of our Patreon club, and check out our website store for cool fossils, rocks, and crystals. Visit dinosaurgeorge.com for details. Until next time, keep digging for knowledge. Yeah.